Hey everybody, welcome to An American F1 Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and we're going to recap the Mexican Grand Prix. And you know what, guys? Like, Mexico. Man, this race, and I guess it's our fault, you know, this race we were all hyped for. I love Mexico. It's usually a great place, the Autodromo. Hermanos Rodriguez, we had all the festivities, we had the Checo hype, which, I mean, there is not a track that comes out more for their home driver than the Mexican Grand Prix and Sergio Perez. I mean, just thinking, like, we've had races at Sandvoort with Verstappen, we've had races at Silverstone for the numerous English drivers, including Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, George Russell. You know, I can go on that list of English drivers. And, of course, the Australian Grand Prix with Danny Ricardo. But I don't think there's a track that does the celebrating of a home driver better than Mexico does for Sergio Perez. So, I mean, one positive. We also had the Mexican F1 theme, which completely slaps. I I could listen to that on repeat all day. But... The actual Mexican Grand Prix, which we get hyped for each year, right? Like, I was excited for this race. I was looking forward to this race, and this is one I circle on my calendar. I just feel like there's always been something about the Mexican Grand Prix that has been good, and it was an absolute stinker of a race. It was an absolute boring race. We had a safety car. We had no first lap drama. We had Max Verstappen again out to an enormous lead. And, you know, if you looked at qualifying and the practice sessions on Friday and Saturday, you wouldn't have thought that, like, even the first half of the race, you thought that somehow, if there was a race this year, other than, I guess you could say, arguably Barcelona and Silverstone, that Mercedes has looked strong and competitive it was this Mexican Grand Prix, and, and I think we're, I don't know, at least me, there's part of us that are still waiting to see this battle unfold, and maybe Mercedes somehow sneaking a win. I think that's like been the whole thing each year, this year, each race this year, we've just been waiting for Mercedes to somehow sneak in a win, and I think, you know, we thought maybe this could have been the one. But, yeah, the race, other than the start of the race, I don't think there was anything really exciting that went on. It was just a procedural Formula One race. And it was kind of surprising because this is a fun track and usually we have fun races and we just did it. And, you know, what? it's all right. You're due for one. You're due for a bad race. We've had a lot of great races this year at places we didn't expect. Um, we've had a lot of entertaining races, but it just didn't happen this year at Mexico and nothing to feel bad about. Uh, credit to Max Verstappen again, just smashing all these records and, you know, they're really like, that's the main storyline from this race. The fact that Max just, I mean, the way this guy just drives a car this year is unbelievable and truly insane. And, you know, it seems like whatever... Any team doors at them, Red Bull just manages to get it done. But, yeah, so that was the big storyline for the race. The fact that Max just absolutely crushed it. But, 
There are a lot of things to take away from this race. And yeah, it was a boring Mexican Grand Prix. Not the most fun, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm here. I am a positive F1 fan, so I am not going to trash the Mexican Grand Prix. And I know people over Twitter were just raving about how boring it was. But I'm here. My job is to find you the positives from this race. So I'm just going to start. I'm kind of going to vamp. I'm going to just, you know, go with the roll, go with the punches, and just talk to you guys about the things I saw during the race, the things I like. So one of the first things I want to go off with the race is the start of the race, which was, you know, Truly incredible timing from Max Verstappen. I mean, he just flat out had a great start, right? And that's something we haven't seen in Mexico too often. Usually the pole sitter is in that vulnerable position. And Hamilton got quite the toe, man. Hamilton and Russell, they were they were like in contention to take that place away from Max. And just, you know, George running out of room, Hamilton right there aside him. I think actually surprising thing, right? So I'm telling you, one of the craziest transition transitions in F1 this year has been people's perspective on George Russell. And I have no qualms against George. I do think it's funny to watch these things from... I Like I said, I personally don't have a stake in any F1 team. I love the racing for what it is. I am technically an Alpha Tauri fan, but like, let's get real. Unless, you know, Yuki Tsunoda or Pierre Gasly are winning a race, let's get real. It's not going to make much of a difference. And yes, I should stand Red Bull, I guess, but... To me, Alpha Tire is their own entity. And um, nevertheless, yeah, the start of the race, George Russell, you know, gets out to this lead. He gets kind of pushed to the side by Hamilton. And I think somewhere on, I forgot where it was, but George was basically saying if it was somebody else, I would have ran them. And just, it's so crazy to think about the transition George Russell has gone through this year. I mean, George Russell was everybody's hero this year, uh, last year, sorry. You know, with uh, in that Williams and George Russell, the Williams driver, such a hero. And I feel like now George Williams, George Williams, wow. George Russell, the Mercedes driver, is such a villain. And it's crazy to see, like, people just getting so angry at George for all these variety of reasons. And, yeah, he's been on the wrong side of contact. But is all of it his fault? Yes and no. I mean... Yeah, he's actually, you know, I'm going to I'm going to correct myself. He has been on the wrong end of things a lot lately, and it's just crazy. And the fact that we even say that like is that real life? I mean, uh, I can't believe that. But the race fairly procedural. You know, we had some good battles going on between the Astons and uh who's it? Valtteri and Joe Guanyu, Pierre, they those guys were on the mix. They're kind of in the DRS train. But yeah, for the most part, a procedural standing race. And uh, I think some of the most interesting moments definitely happened in the midfield. We saw the Haas drop like rocks. They were just like nowhere to be found. Uh, Alex Albon was making some moves. The Aston Martins, I mean, Seb, Seb had himself a pretty solid race. He was going around pretty good. But how about those? All right. So I think the one story of the race, the one thing like to really take away other than I'm going to get into the strategy part of the race later, but Daniel Ricardo, this dude, man, all year. And it was pretty funny seeing on Twitter because Daniel Ricardo, we know what his story has been this year. Danny Rick has just been mediocre. And I mean that in the nicest way. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, saying mediocre isn't really that nice, but no, but seriously, like 
Daniel Ricciardo in the McLaren this year has just been absent. He had what? A flash in the pan at Singapore, got some luck. He had a flash in the pan at Australia. But this race was like fast Daniel Ricciardo. And I know people are going to say, well, he was on softs. The other guys were on mediums and hards. But still, like, the Daniel Ricciardo we saw today, especially... All right, so we have to mention this contact with Yuki. Daniel Ricciardo saw the wrong man. Like, dude is lucky he finished the race because... He gave Yuki no space. And he probably could have passed him in the next turn. Ruin Yuki. Yuki's uh, attempt at having a great day. Because Yuki and the the Alpha Tires were like a weird mix. They were like going strong. And then they fell back. But Dan Ricardo absolutely trashed Yuki's race. And man, Yuki just sometimes does not have the best of luck. And I can understand why he was mad. But Dan Ricardo getting that tag second penalty. And... You know, some people were saying it was harsh, but, you know, honestly, like, he just flat out ran him over. Gave him no space. An ambitious move, but somehow, even after that contact where Yuki literally rode the tire of Daniel Ricciardo, he managed to get faster after that point. He got the 10-second penalty. Almost reminds you of that time in Russia where he got the 5-second penalty. He said, I'll just drive faster. Daniel Ricciardo, like, went on full-on beast mode, managing to secure P7 with that 10-second margin over Esteban Ocon just to negate that whole issue. And this was the Daniel Ricciardo we wanted to see all the time. And, you know, I think a lot of people are happy. Yes, there are going to be people that are like, how does this guy get driver of the day? And you know what? I See, okay, this is where the American perspective comes in. And I'm going to tell you this because today was an epic racing day, at least on the... North American side of things because so we have Daniel Ricardo in this race like full send right Daniel Ricardo is full send going to the corner I love that kind of style of driving and I think I know people are not proud of it I know people will say it's reckless it's it's not safe and I get it but from like an American point of view if I'm an American right and I'm watching racing I think one big thing and this is something that you could feel then I'm saying the wrong thing here, but here is why Americans... I'm going to give you a prime example of why Americans don't always support Formula 1. And there is a lot of things great about Formula 1. But I will show you the contrast and differences between races, right? So today was the Formula 1 race in Mexico. Very procedural race. Uh, obviously, there wasn't really anything on the line, but... You have Daniel Ricciardo going in hard, right? You have these hard racing moments. And in Formula 1 where there's a hard racing moment, there is usually a penalty, right? There is none of this. You don't have beating and banging. You don't have cars going wheel to wheel. And actually, you have wheel to wheel, but it's a very gentlemanly sport. And one thing about that, and it's great racing. I love, I don't think there's anything sexier than watching two Formula cars like Two Formula One cars battle out for overtakes like that. The movement of the cars, the way the overtakes are made. And and when you're watching it live, it's something special. And there is something behind that. But you got to like, you got to be ready for that. You got to feel that. And that doesn't always happen in the American side of racing. So on the American side of racing today, right? So you had the Formula One race going on. The same time you had NASCAR going on. And I know if you're listening to this, you're probably like, I don't want to hear NASCAR. But I'm saying this because it just shows you the difference in mentality 
of certain driving moments. And this is why someone who in Formula One is a villain like George Russell might be loved with that style racing on this side of the pond. And that that goes to show you the differences in the style racing and the style of expectations for entertainment. You know, um, so anyway, in the NASCAR race at Martinsville, right? It's a short track. This is a small track, wheel to wheel racing. Cars are rubbing each other. Guys are, you know, making contact, spinning each other out. And it's, it's a picture American football on a racetrack. That's how I could explain Martinsville. It is beaten and banging. It is, it is full contact. It is full sense. So in NASCAR, they have the championship for cutoff, right? So you have to make this top four to be in the championship. It's like a progressive cutoff. And the dude that was on the borderline was this guy, Ross Chastain, right? And he's kind of known for being the bad guy of NASCAR racing. This is the guy that he's not afraid to piss somebody off, for lack of a better word, to piss somebody off to justify his ends, right? So this dude pulls one of the craziest moves ever. He is down by, I think, two in the championship. He decides full send, last turn, rides the wall. Literally, dude pulls a video game move and purposely drives his car on the wall Total 100% risk move because, God forbid, you know, the car gets damaged beyond belief. I don't know how he carried that momentum. He could have easily spun out. He could have easily... That was like a 100% gamble move. He could have either had what happened and he could have succeeded and passed. Like, I think his lap was 20 seconds faster than the leader. And he full sent it on the outside, riding the wall. But that could have gone a whole bunch of different ways. And... He just full freaking sent it and made himself into the playoffs. And it was incredible. So you're seeing something like that happen in NASCAR. In Formula 1, you don't get that, you know? And it's no – there's nothing wrong with what Formula 1 racing is. But what we saw in the NASCAR race is why so many Americans are more willing to watch a NASCAR race than a Formula 1 race. Because – you got to explain to somebody about the strategy and the different moves. They're just, it's not all the time. That's why Americans don't want watch football, soccer, right? They, they just, there's something about this strategy angle that just loses Americans. And I, for one thing, in Formula One, it's beautiful the way Formula One is done. And the racing is good when it's good. But yeah, today was just showing you the contrast in the different sports. And it was kind of cool seeing on Twitter that people put it up and, I know this has really nothing to do with the Mexican Grand Prix, but that race was so boring today that I'm throwing this in there. I'm going to mention that, uh, you know, that NASCAR event that really was something spectacular and something out of this world, something I never thought I would see in my years of watching motorsport. Now, of course, there are going to be people that complain about it, but that's for another another story. But yeah, the Mexican Grand Prix, you know what really surprised me today too? Like, all right, so... Mercedes, I thought Mercedes looked very formidable today. When they were on the mediums and Max was on the softs, like Lewis was maintaining that 1.5 second gap. And then what boggled my mind, and I, I get it. I get why Mercedes does it. Like, listen, if you know you're not going to win the Constructors' Championship, you know you're not going to win the Drivers' Championship, you got to throw something different into the mix. So that different thing was going on the hard tires, I feel like once Lewis went on the hard tires, it was just, 
game over. Like, there was nothing... There was really nothing going on after that. Like, it just... That was, like, the death blow. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking because it was kind of funny. It reminded me of... I believe... Right? That was Max's strategy in Abu Dhabi 2. And, like, you knew there was no chance of Lewis gaining on Max today. Just like you knew there was going to be no chance of Max gaining on Lewis then. Of course, the ending of the race happened differently. But you just knew, like, it was just weird. A weird call from Mercedes. Especially now looking back on it. Seeing how fast Daniel Ricciardo was on the softs. And George Colfort early in the race, George was like, I want to go on the softs. And Mercedes just shot him down saying, no, this is this is the strategy. And it just makes you wonder, could they have pulled it off? And they honestly probably, I don't know if that would have been enough to catch Max. Max is clearly faster and he's clearly a dominant car. But it would have been interesting to see what could have happened. So mind-boggling strategy move. But hey, you know, still a solid podium for, I mean, getting Lewis on the podium. I think a very good race for Mercedes. Will they be in position? Sorry. Will they be in position to win? Or be that competitive in Brazil? I don't know. I don't see Mercedes finding a way. I was a Mercedes optimist. I was. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not a Mercedes fan. But. I don't see a way they win in Abu Dhabi or Brazil. And. Now watch, this is going to be one of the races they win. Abu Dhabi, I mean, strange things have happened there. Just because, especially when like a team has such an opening lead and it's you know clearly dominance. We've seen strange things happen. We've seen Mercedes tank the race, you know, when it didn't matter. Um, but I just don't, I don't see it. Non-existent today, though. Hey, how about Ferrari? Ferrari, non-existent, like... They had such a solid start to the weekend and then just went, like, they disappeared after qualifying. And I know they had engine issues and things like that, but, I mean, really? Like, just out of nowhere, like, they just fell off so quick. And it's just amazing to be how much Mercedes, uh, Mercedes, sorry, how much Ferrari just seems to sometimes be in the market or be way off. When Mercedes is off, they why do I keep saying Mercedes? Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. It's been a long Sunday. Um, when Ferrari is off the mark, they are just completely off the mark. And it's truly incredible to think about, like, how they're just struggling this much. I mean, it it's so weird because at the beginning of the year, they were so dominant. And now they've just... They're, it, it drives me nuts thinking about how non-existent, really, Ferrari has been sometimes and it's 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 really mind-blowing and you know they're not exactly safe in the constructors and even in the driver's championship i mean sergio perez might end up finishing second and just thinking about like where Charles leclerc was at the beginning of the season it's kind of mind-blowing uh other interesting things right that how about that midfield battle right so <laughs> one of the most disappointing teams today was Alpine and you know McLaren had such a good race or at least Daniel Ricciardo had a good race I know Lando did not sneak into the points but just incredible oh Lando did sorry my bad Lando did sneak into the points so McLaren had a solid race 
Alpine again with reliability and again the strategy affecting you know Ocon's race too, getting passed by Daniel Rick, but Fernando Alonso is totally done with Alpine. Can can you blame him? I mean, Fernando has had so many reliability issues this year, and today he was just incensed. I mean, it was crazy to see how. I'm not really that surprised that he was that angry. I mean, I don't blame Fernando either, but. You know, of course, that brings out the people on social media and all these things. But um, it really is crazy that <laughs> that um, Fernando has just been so annoyed with his team. And he clearly is upset with how Alpine has been. And it's just going to be an interesting ride back to... You know, when he goes back to Aston Martin, I think, uh, uh, you know, Fernando's time at Alpine is, is over. It was a flash in the pan. He did what he had to do. And clearly, you know, they had some great moments, but you could tell Fernando was done with that team. And it just, it really baffles me how Alpine just can't seem to create this good environment. I don't know. But we'll see what happens when Pierre, and it, it's, it's kind of funny because both Pierre and Fernando, who are both leaving their teams, are just in utter disgust about it. And you could tell on their radio messages, like, they're done. They're over both teams. And it is what it is. But those drivers got to do what they got to do. And not much really else to say there. So I guess the other real talking point from this weekend, and again, somehow... You know, they're, they're really... I wish there was more to talk about. It's it's just crazy. It's kind of funny, too, because the Mexican Grand Prix, so, like... This is one race. I don't know why it always works out like this, but this is a race that I tend to always watch with my family who aren't big Formula One fans. I was, I was watching with my brother today, and he's not a big Formula One fan, but they'll sit down and watch. I guess it's the time of year. It's usually around Halloween. So our family is always together, and, you know, we usually have a little dinner, so... I was watching with family today and, you know, trying to educate them about the racing because they're big, more so much NASCAR fans and not really big into Formula One. And, you know, I had to, uh, you know, kind of educate along the way, especially since I want to watch football, too. So but anyway, uh, the one big thing storyline of this race, this race weekend, then how many phrases? So, <laughs> you know, it is kind of funny because Formula One is like definitely part, how would you explain this? It's it's part real sport, obviously. I mean, there's no doubt the competition is real and nothing's fixed, but it's it's part competition. And sometimes you just look at Formula One and you're like, it's a reality show. And I don't think it's the Netflix effect. I think Formula One, if you go back into the history of Formula One, you can find moments like this. I mean, you know, talk about that driver's strike in the 70s, right? The 70s, that South before that South African Grand Prix that uh, I believe Jackie Stewart led, right, to get better safety. Uh, so there have been, you know, crazy moments in Formula One to begin with. And it's always been this kind of unique series with um these different storylines and wow i was right off that was 1982 um 
But, you know, there's always been these stories in Formula One of, you know, strikes and drama and the FIA. And there are so many different things you could look at in Formula One's history that are just dramatic. And I, I guess it's the kind of the nature of the sport. You got all tons of money. You have drivers. Some of them are glorified paid. Uh, sorry, glorified playboys. You know, like even thinking back to like the stories of James Hunt that you hear and like that that 80s, 70s era of Formula 1 racing, it, it, it was still the same. Formula 1, the basic DNA of Formula 1 has not changed. Yes, it has gotten more popular. Yes, the drivers get paid more. But there's always been this aura around Formula 1. And, and it's something truly that makes the sport great. But at the same time, makes the sport a little bit of a reality show. And we had that taste this race weekend with our good old friend, Ted Kravitz. And uh, Max Verstappen. And, you know, Ted Kravitz mentioned, I guess, you know, essentially to sum it up, Ted Kravitz, right, uh, with his notebook and his Sky Sports reporting, he always sometimes gets a little overzealous with his opinions. And Ted Kravitz (laughs) shares his opinion on how essentially Max was an undeserving champion. And it's not the first time Ted has shared his opinion on this. And, of course, this being the age we're in, right, with social media and basically keyboard warriors having a voice, it just magnifies the comment. And where it got back to Red Bull, where it gets back to Max, of course it would, but why wouldn't it? And Max Verstappen decides, I'm going to boycott Sky Sports F1 for this race weekend and the rest of the Red Bull team followed suit and you know I get it I do get it listen say what you want about Max say what you want about Abu Dhabi we know what happened at Abu Dhabi we know how that went but I do get Max's frustration and again I'm not a Max I'm not a Max stan. I consider myself to be very impartial. And if I'm looking at this, right? Like, oh my God, it is so frustrating. But like, I'm going to bring in my American perspective here again. What happened at that race, the last race of the season last year in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, you should feel like Lewis Hamilton was robbed. And he essentially was because, but again, it's not, You shouldn't discredit what Max Verstappen did last season. I think that's wherein the problem lies. People make this a... A lot of people. And if you look on social media, you'll see it. A lot of people make it a Max Red Bull issue. When that is not the issue. Max did what he had to do. Red Bull did what they had to do with that car this year. And arguably, they didn't have the fastest car. That Mercedes, the second half of the season... Was a rocket. And. People. Look at. The end of last season. In a way in which. They almost want to. Discredit Max. And illegitimize his championship. Listen. Max did what he had to do on the racetrack. Red Bull. Was given strategy. Choices. They were given options. And they did what they had to do. To constantly criticize Max is wrong. 
if you want to criticize the FIA, you want to criticize Formula One, that's fair. But Max, as a driver, has done what he had to do. His job is not to be involved with the politics of Formula One. It is not a Max issue. And I understand, and I have friends that get incensed over Red Bull and Max. I had a friend who literally said, nice, when when Dietrich Mastetich passed away. Like, what? Because you're a Mercedes fan? That has nothing to do with the other the guy bought the team. The guy is not... That boggled my mind. Like, there are fans out there like that. That same fan also was said the race was BS today. The race was not BS today. The race was BS today because you're unhappy, because Mercedes didn't make the right strategy calls. There was nothing BS about today's race. There was nothing... Like, I don't get some of these arguments sometimes. It, it It's frustrating to listen to. But, so, so Max... And Red Bull boycott Ted Kravitz and Sky Sports are fun. Whatever. For the for the weekend. And I get it though. I get what they're trying to say. Like, it is so toxic looking on social media sometimes. And, you know, for one race result that was, again, not his fault. He, he will forever have that. And now, I don't think Max is a villain. I think... I do think Max saying Lewis doesn't have respect for him is out of line. Because Lewis... Has shown numerous times respect for Max. But. I don't know. It's just crazy. The way. This shit has gone on this year. And. Max is a two time world champion. And he's there for a reason. He put himself in the right spots. But. I get why people are frustrated. And again. The problem does not lie. With Red Bull. It doesn't lie with Max. It. It really lies with the FIA and what happened. And we still haven't seen a lot of those same issues fixed. And, you know, it, it's going to be something that continues on until, I don't know. But next week, well, no, not next week. Oh, we have a week off. That's going to be so painful. I will be back on Thursday for my usual Thursday bits. In two weeks, we're going to Brazil. I love Brazil. I think it's a great track. And circuit, sorry. And uh, honestly, oh, you know what? That fun ever too, Lena. But I was gonna mention in regards to that Abu Dhabi thing. Actually, it's kind of funny because we're talking about the Red Bull cost cap thing. We've talked about the results of Abu Dhabi being affected, right? All these things. I was thinking back the other day, like in the United States, we had something comparable, right? So the craziest thing in United States sports. Arguably was the baseball scandal with the Astros, the cheating scandal. The the Houston Astros legitimately cheated and won a World Series. And even still with all the evidence, and that was blatant cheating. That was not a minor cost cap overspend. That was not, you know, the MLB umpires messing something up. That was a legit cheating scandal. And we still allowed the Houston Astros to keep their trophy. So you can't ask United States people for their opinions on this because obviously we're messed up. We give the Houston Astros their trophy even after cheating. So for something like what happened in Abu Dhabi for this cost cap overspend, which by the way, I think the penalty for Red Bull's cost cap overspend, I think it's I think it's sufficiently good. They are reduced by a significant portion of the amount of wind tunnel time they can do. And I, I think that needed to be done. That example needed to be set. 
Could it have been more harsh? I think so. But the math is out there. The numbers for a minor overspend are quite harsh. So who knows? Red Bull's going to have their time reduced in the first place because they won the constructors. And then they're going to have it reduced further. So I think that will be a sufficient penalty. And I do think the FIA needs to really go to some kind of... Forget this minor, major cost. It should be zero tolerance. You, you overspend, you overspend. That needs to be fixed. But yes, anyway, next race is going to be at Brazil. My expectations for Brazil are high, but as I've learned this year, the tracks with low expectations have had good races. The tracks with good expectations have had bad races. So I'm just going to go in with an open mind and hope we have a good race at Brazil. I think it's a sprint race too, right? Is it? Let me see. I feel like... Brazil is a sprint race. That's got to be one of the ones, right? That was one last year. That was where Lewis Hamilton had his like, most spectacular race. That one I also watched in my house. Uh, at my parents' house. But is Brazil a sprint race? Is it? Is it? It is. Brazil is a sprint race. That's exciting. So we get a sprint race. Means double racing. We got two weeks in between. Brazil also has a new president. So hopefully, like, Bolsonaro doesn't, like, lead a coup or something crazy. But anyway... Excited for Brazil. I'll talk to you guys Thursday. I'll have some of my points. Who knows what other crazy F1 news could come up in the next two days. Maybe Ted Kravitz and Max Verstappen will apologize to each other. Who knows? I don't know. But looking forward to talking to you guys on Thursday. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Sorry the Mexican Grand Prix wasn't better. If you have a chance, I highly recommend watching the highlights of the NASCAR race because you'll see some of the craziest racing moves. The craziest racing move you've probably seen ever. So go check it out. And, yeah, make sure you check out our website for updates at f1idiots.com. And, you know, keep listening to this podcast and keep coming back because I love talking to you guys about my random ramblings about F1. So I will see you guys Thursday. Thank you and have a great rest of the week.